The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 94. The short story at the end of the episode will be from Untold Mayhem. Only two stories left in this collection. The one we're going with today is called Marked. That was my the first Pro Rates published story. So the first short story I sold for you know a good amount of money. It might have been like 200 bucks, but for me it was a lot. Uh, and that was... Thou Shall Not was the name of that anthology back in 2006. Uh, definitely was a big boost for my confidence. This story was reworked for this collection. Uh, hopefully you guys like the changes. The new version I think is much better, much stronger. Uh, so we'll play that at the end of the episode. First, I want to talk about the awesome news I had yesterday. Um, so I think I've mentioned on here before, but for my traumatic brain injuries, a big part of my healing, a big part of what really made some massive changes for me were going to Vital Head and Spine where I did NUCA, which is a, a National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association. So they are only focusing on your atlas, the C1 and the C2. Um, mine were really messed up from all the blows to the head, so that severely affects uh, blood flow and all that kind of stuff. Got that fixed there. But then I also did the neural feedback, uh, which was incredible because my brain was severely under-functioning, especially in the frontal, um, the front lobe. So I went to there, went to them, had incredible results. My wife also went, uh, my daughter went, it knocked out her anxiety that she was experiencing and also some sleep problems with her. Um, we were going there because my nephews, two of my nephews had great results as well. So I knew the place worked. Uh, my mother was having really bad sleep. She's had terrible sleep for a very long time. And her sister has dementia, and she's been dealing with that for the last couple of years. So I had to pretty much beg my mother to go to Vital Head and Spine to, to try it, to find out. She was very scared. She didn't really want to know. She felt like she was fine. She didn't want to know whether or not she had any brain issues um, because it would probably just cause more anxiety for her. But she got tested and she started going after we all talked to her. Uh, yesterday, we heard the results um, comparing her brain from, we looked at the maps, brain maps from the start of her, you know, before the 40 sessions and then the ones at the very end. And then also her testing of her focus and attention. For me, it knocked out, like when I first tested, I was testing for ADHD and ADD. And at the end of it, I was no longer testing. For her, we were able to see that um, her mild cognitive decline um, was pretty, I don't want to say severe, but it was definitely enough to where if she didn't change anything, for sure she was going to get dementia. Um, but now looking at the new maps, looking at all the scores, uh, all the different speeds, um, man, it, it was awesome. I, I was smiling all day yesterday because uh, just seeing how happy and relieved she was. She was scared when she heard that, you know, what her brain had looked like at the very start, you know, and it was processing pretty low and slow. Um, but now it's recovered and it's not going to go back down. That's what's awesome about the neurofeedback is it's not going to return to where it was. There's no reason why it would start declining again. Um, and so she's going to do another 20 sessions and, uh, and her sleep has improved greatly. 
And for those that you that don't realize it, sleep is huge, especially with someone that is, deal, is dealing with brain issues. Um, dementia for me is a major concern because of all the blows to the head I've had and all the different problems. Um, but with sleep, sleep is where we get rid of all the waste in our brain. Uh, it's where we repair ourselves. And so if you're not getting enough sleep, that stuff is accumulating. That's causing more and more problems. Um, that's the what is it tau and beta amyloid proteins or whatever that's where all that accumulates and causes a lot of damage so um very important if you haven't been getting good sleep to get that checked out get that fixed get that corrected but yeah so super excited about that happy for my mother um and just yeah i want to try to avoid dementia at all costs for anyone that i know um and that's one reason why i'm getting back into writing the brain book i keep putting that on pause i'll work on a little bit and then i'll set to the side um, part of the reason is I, well, one is I got a lot of shit going on and I like writing fiction instead and I have all these excuses, but a big part of it is I feel fine brain wise. Like I still have my issues. I still go through some depressions and get overwhelmed and all this other stuff. But for the most part, you know, I feel pretty squared away. I'm in a whole nother place than I had been. Um, if I hadn't taken care of my brain, I probably would have been dead or in prison or, uh, definitely divorced. And so uh, I'm incredibly grateful for everything I've done. And I want to pass that on to other people. I want to give other people hope. Um, you know, for the longest time, it was if you had brain damage, if your brain was on the slide, then that was pretty much it. That used to be the old thinking. Uh, we didn't understand how pliable, how plastic our brain is and how we can make all these new connections. So I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to try to finish up this brain book and get it out to people. Um, another super cool thing that just happened was my good friend, uh, Dr. Michael Simpson, uh, awesome guy. Um, he asked me if I would read his book, take an early look at the book he just came out. Uh, if you guys want to follow him, he's a gray beard performance. Uh, in fact, I just bought some of his supplements and they will be coming to me shortly. Um, but his book was awesome because it's written for guys that are about my age that want to, you know, be able to perform and be athletic. Um, and But talk about all the things that we need to do in order to maintain that, how we can't train like we did when we were young. Um, so it was just awesome. One of the, I mean, he touched on sleep, on martial arts, on all these different things. Um, but one of the important things for me especially was uh, the chapter on taking care of yourself. Because like, I, I do great with nutrition, maybe not every day, but overall been doing great with nutrition, um, taking care of all these other things, but then neglecting the doctor. Um, you know, I get my blood work checked for my brain stuff and cholesterol and all that, but other than that, it's like, man, I'm just hoping for the best. And so that was one of the big points in his book was like, you know, make your appointments, make your, you know, one with the dermatologist, one with, uh, you know, get a colonoscopy, all these different things that we should be doing at my age uh, that I haven't. So the day after reading it, um, I went ahead and I scheduled six different appointments. So I had, yeah, dentist, eye doctor, acupuncture. Uh, I do acupuncture every once in a while, but I'm starting to pick that up again. But my got my dermatologist appointment, which should be fun because the last time I saw her was before I tattooed my entire back. And so this time she's going to have to check my entire back, trying to find um, spots on my tattoo, which should be fun for her. 
Uh, also made an appointment for the foot doctor, trying to get that all fixed, new, new inserts, uh, colonoscopy, getting that scheduled, and then also my annual checkup. Haven't had one of those in a long time. So I feel healthy, but just because you feel healthy doesn't mean that you are healthy. So thank you to Dr. Simpson for having me read that because it definitely got me motivated, motivated to do more to get in better shape, but then also just taking care of my body. Um, last thing that's going on is I finally started teaching my writing class. That is write the story you can never tell. Uh, and if you guys haven't done it yet, check out my new website. That's at marktulius.com. Uh, just have the brand new one. I think it's all finished up. There might be a couple little things that we're touching up, uh, but that is up. Uh, the writing class is on there. You can get information. The one I'm doing this one is this week is for military and it's Monday through Friday. We run it from 7, 8 PM Pacific standard time. Uh, next week, same time. That one is free for first responders. And then the one starting February 8th, um, I'll do them every two weeks and that's just for the general public and those will be paid, but it's a huge discount right now. If you're interested, for sure, hit me up. Uh, you could send me an email, Mark and Mark Tullius, or just go on the website. I think there's a contact form on there, or you can just register for the class. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I was definitely overwhelmed. I felt like, who am I to teach? You know, how much do I know about writing? All I'm really doing is passing on things I've learned. So a lot of it is just all the stuff that I learned from Tom Spanbauer uh, and dangerous writing. Um, I might have picked up a couple things here and there that help but I enjoy pulling stories out of people that have never written. So this story, this isn't really a class for people that have done a lot of writing, um, but one of the reasons I'm doing it is to prove that I can do this, I can teach, and I wanna give people this skill because I think it's incredibly healing. Um, in this class, I'm making everyone write in first person, present tense, uh, which is, for a lot of people, it's a little bit hard, a little bit strange, and then I'm really encouraging people to write about a moment from their past that changed them, and that's where, real healing comes in. So hopefully people will learn this new skill, how to write, they'll get excited about writing, get over all these issues that they had with like why they can't write. I think we all have these excuses like, oh, well, I don't know how, or don't know where to start, or how do I do this? Um, but so far it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm gonna keep it up until I no longer enjoy it. Uh, my wife and I were talking about how much time it's going to take you know, it's just one more thing that I won't be able to spend time on writing. Uh, but the way I'm looking at it is I'm, I'm going to release an anthology of all these best stories because in this class, not only am I helping develop the stories, but I will also edit them afterwards and do one-on-one -on -one with people. And then I'll take the best stories and then we will pu publish them in an anthology. So in a year's time, I'll have a short story, a collection of short stories written by all these other people with my forward. Uh, I might have a book on writing, just taking all my, you know, excellent tips and, uh, and putting that out as well. So even though it will cut into some of my writing, I'll still be producing stuff uh, in addition to what I'm going to be doing. Still working on the Try Not To Die Super High. That will be out a couple, well, probably actually not until May. And then Try Not To Die in the Wizard's Tower also coming out and uh, the Brain Damage book. So definitely got a lot of stuff going on, but the writing class should be a lot of fun. Uh, if you know any first responders that want to do next week's class, send them my way. Uh, looking for people that are serious about it and want to learn, uh, want to heal, want to write. Um, and uh, yeah, shit, that's about it. So now I'm going to leave you guys so I can work on my brain book for a bit before I teach class tonight. 
Thank you guys for checking this out. I hope you guys enjoy Marked. This is from Untold Mayhem, and I will see you guys next week. Later. Marked. Olsen was too good to be true. The old man hadn't learned his lesson. He still flaunted his wealth, kept the exact same routines, and never watched his back. It was like the fat slob wanted to get robbed again. When Nick first got out of the joint, he'd promised himself he'd never do this sort of thing again. But Olsen was the perfect victim, and the money was too good. 300000 would solve a lot of problems. It'd also make up a little for the time locked up. Hell, a payday like that would equal close to 50000 for each of his seven years in the pen. Nick turned the page of the newspaper and sneaked another glance at the jewelry store directly across from the mall's food court. From his seat outside of the McDonald's Express, he could keep a close eye on the old man while looking like any other fool reading the help-wanted ads. Not that he would ever lower himself to take one of those jobs. Just for the hell of it, he ran through the list. The only positions he qualified for were below him, and the other 90% of the jobs wouldn't be worth taking even if the manager had no hang-up about hiring an uneducated ex-con. Who wants to wear a monkey suit and take orders from some college dork just to make 30000 a year? To hell with that. It was nearing 7 o'clock, and Suzanne, his inside, was pleasantly escorting the last couple out of the jewelry store. Before she headed back in, Suzanne made eye contact with Nick and gave him a discreet thumbs-up. He set down his paper to acknowledge her, and she flashed four fingers. This was going to be sweeter than he had imagined. Olsen was taking home more work than usual. Nick grabbed his coffee and headed for the exit. Olsen wouldn't be done closing up shop for another half hour, but Nick was too excited to stay still. Four hundred thousand. A hundred thousand for each of the months he'd been out on parole, unable to find a decent job. Olsen's car wasn't in its spot. The black BMW had been there when Nick arrived two hours before, and it should still be there. Olsen hadn't left his sight for more than five minutes. No way he could have come out and moved it. Nick was tempted to race back inside to find Suzanne, but that would be foolish. It wouldn't look good for a tattooed thug to be seen with her. Someone might get the wrong idea and put things together, especially if he went ahead with the robbery. He couldn't bring her into it. Not because he liked her, but because he didn't trust her. Just like everyone else on the planet, if it was her ass or his, she would sell him out in a second. Just like the backstabbing bastard that had put him away in the first place. Not sure what to do, Nick did a 180 and headed for his beater Ford. He felt like a fool when he spotted Olsen's 745i in the next row, wedged between two SUVs. He had to get a grip if he was going to pull this thing off. How could he not know where the car was parked? He was acting like a damn fish straight out of the tank. Easing into his lowered front seat, Nick concentrated on the BMW's driver door, rationalizing away his fear. He had nothing to worry about. Olsen was an easy target. He'd been an easy target for Bear and hadn't changed his ways since. Bear. Now that was an untrustworthy son of a bitch. After sharing a 6x8 concrete cell for two years, you'd think you'd get to know someone. 
They'd sworn allegiance to each other, become blood brothers, beaten down punks together. All that, and Bear still ditched him when it counted. Three months ago, Bear had called Nick to tell him about this mark. They were supposed to do it together and split the profit, but Bear must have got greedy because after a week of staking out and planning with Nick, he went ahead and did it on his own. The only decent thing Bear did was give Suzanne Nick's name and number so she could call him a week later and tell him that Bear had taken her boss for close to 200000 The good news was that the plan had worked and the old man continued his reckless ways. The bad news was Bear split town without saying a word, which seemed pretty risky considering he was on paper for the next three years. Probably went to Mexico where he wouldn't have to worry about some parole officer making house calls. Nick knew all about that headache. As far as pigs went, his P.O. was pretty cool, but the guy was still a pain in the ass. He'd held Nick's parole papers over his head, constantly reminding him that the smallest screw-up would send him back in to finish his last two years. And the home invasion he had planned would earn him more than a slap on the wrist, most likely an additional five to ten on top of the two. The one thing Nick knew was he would never go back. He considered calling the whole thing off. Maybe it wasn't worth the risk. Nick had missed the first seven years of his only son's childhood, precious years he would never get back. In the past four months, he'd seen glimpses of the father he could be if he only stayed out of prison. How could he risk missing another seven? Nicky deserved better than that. Then again, getting a crappy minimum wage job wasn't much of an option either. What kind of role model would he be if he could barely afford to take his son out for a happy meal? He needed money, and he needed it now. He would just have to be extra careful. The dashboard clock read 7.40. Olson was already ten minutes late. Instead of getting worked up about the delay, Nick counted his blessings. The sun had set, and it would be difficult for the old man to spot him. Nick didn't have to wait much longer. Without checking his surroundings, Olsen unlocked his beamer and slid his leather overcoat across the back seat. After stroking his bushy gray goatee, he plopped into the driver's seat, tossing his briefcase onto the passenger side. Just the sight of the treasured briefcase made Nick's imagination run wild. There was no question whether or not he would do this. The man was an easy target with a huge payoff. What more could he ask for? Not worried if he lost Olsen for a moment or two, Nick gave him a few seconds head start. He knew the route Olsen would take and that he wouldn't deviate from it. All that mattered was that Nick arrived at the house just before the fat man pulled in. Nick was stopped three cars behind Olsen's when they reached the traffic signal marking the halfway point. After slipping on his black leather gloves, Nick checked the glove box and pulled out his gun. The thirty-eight wasn't in the best condition, and possession of it would land him back in the pen. But the reassuring feel of the hard metal gave him the confidence he needed right now. For this kind of job, he really should have a partner, but he couldn't risk trusting anyone. He'd made that mistake with Bear, and he wasn't going to make it again. And if that idiot had been able to do this on his own, then there was no reason Nick couldn't pull it off. As expected... Olsen drove two blocks down and pulled into the McDonald's drive-thru. Nick knew the slob would order three Big Macs, two large fries, a large strawberry shake, an apple pie, and a caramel sundae. 
and judging by the cars ahead of Olsen, it would take six to eight minutes for him to get his food and re-enter traffic. Plenty of time for Nick to get to the house. Olsen's sparsely populated neighborhood was beautiful, the type of place Nick could never afford. He hoped he wouldn't have to use the gun. He didn't want to hurt, let alone kill, anyone. It wasn't his style. But prison had taught him an important lesson in life. Sometimes you have to be violent to survive. If it came down to him or Olsen, he wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger. The original plan had called for Bear to hide in the garage and have Nick tail the beamer. Once it pulled into the garage, Nick would block Olsen in. Now that he was flying solo, he would have to improvise. If he tried driving in behind the beamer, Olsen would be sure to spot him and could easily close the garage door before Nick could slip inside. If Nick hid in the garage, he'd have to worry about Olsen driving away if he smelled something fishy. And that was if he could even get inside the garage. Suzanne said the code still worked, but who knew how accurate that info was? Nick pulled onto Olsen's street, passed the house, made a U-turn, and parked directly across from the driveway that divided the eight-foot-high walls surrounding the property. With about five minutes left to get into position, Nick tucked the pistol into the waistband of his jeans and eased out of the car. Acting as if he had business being there, he sauntered across the street and entered Olsen's lushly landscaped property. The house was to his right, and directly before him was the attached three-car garage. He slid open a small remote on the wall and punched in Suzanne's code, praying it would work. The door rumbled open, and before it had risen halfway, Nick had already slipped inside, knocked loose the automatic light, and hit the switch that lowered the door. Nick crouched in the corner and waited for his eyes to adjust to the darkness. When he heard a car pull into the driveway, Nick backed against the side wall and ducked behind some barrels. He remembered to slip on his black ski mask just as the garage door began to rise. The piercing headlights illuminated the garage, allowing Nick to see he was hiding behind two plastic trash cans. Nick peered through the crack between the cans and saw the tail end of the BMW pulling in. He also noticed the electric gate sliding shut. In all the days he had staked out the house, with Bear and without him, he had never once seen the gate close. He hadn't even realized there was a gate, but thinking back, he did remember walking across its track. Why Olsen decided to close it now was beyond him, but Nick guessed it was a good thing. Sure, he'd have to jump over it when he left, but this made the house much more secure and isolated from the outside. Now, he needn't worry about some good Samaritan spotting him and calling the cops. The car's engine and headlights turned off. Nick pulled out the thirty-eight and gathered his nerves as the garage door closed. Now was the most important moment. No more hiding, no more waiting. Olsen seemed to be taking a long time getting out of the car, and Nick wondered if he might be on his cell phone. If Olsen got out of the car and was still on the phone, Nick was screwed. Five seconds ticked away before the car door creaked open. Nick strained his ears but couldn't hear anything. Although Olsen wasn't talking, he could be listening to someone on the phone. The fat man's dress shoes clicked onto the cold concrete and the door slammed shut. Still no talking. Nick had to act. If the old man was on the phone, he'd signal for him to turn it off. And if the guy tried something squirrely, Nick would deal with him, snag that briefcase, and run like hell. 
Before Olsen took another step, Nick popped up. He had worried for nothing. The briefcase was in his hand, but no phone. Nick aimed the gun at Olsen's head. Hold it right there. The guy didn't even flinch. He slowly turned to face Nick, the beamer between them. Olsen was smiling. Hold it right there, Nick repeated. I heard you the first time. If the car hadn't been in the way, Nick would have slapped the smug bastard. Put the briefcase on the hood and slide it over. But the paint, surely you wouldn't want me to scratch it. Are you serious? Put the goddamn briefcase on the car. Calm down, son. You don't want to use that. I will. No, you won't. Yes, I will. A soft voice sounded from the opposite corner, startling Nick. Not if you want to live. Without taking the gun off Olsen, Nick glanced to his right. Dressed in black, barely recognizable in the dark, Suzanne crouched behind Olsen's other car, a pistol pointed at Nick's head. Nick was so frustrated and upset he could barely speak. What the hell are you doing? What does it look like? Put the gun down. Now why would she want to do that? Olsen asked. Nick turned his attention back to Olsen. His smile was maddening. I'll shoot you. No, you won't, Nicholas. You'll drop your gun and acknowledge that you made a very bad mistake coming here. Nick turned his gun on Suzanne. Olsen whipped out a huge revolver and trained it on Nick. Nick moved the gun from Olsen to Suzanne and back again. What is this crap? You were helping me. What happened? Did he find out? Make you do this? Are you really that stupid? She stood and walked around the trunk of the jag. Not even Bear was that stupid. Now put down your gun. Do as she says. Shooting you will give me a little pleasure. Not to mention it will make quite a mess, which I really have no interest in cleaning. Nick couldn't speak, but he continued moving the gun from one target to the other. Really, Nick? Suzanne said, walking over to Olsen with her gun lowered. Put it down. You really think I'd give you a working gun? When Bear had given it to Nick, he'd hidden it away, automatically assuming it functioned. He never once thought about trying it, and it wasn't as if he could take it to the firing range. Nick continued to aim at Olsen. I'll put mine down when he puts his down. Now that's not very smart, Nicholas. Quit calling me that, you fat bastard. That's not very nice. Set the gun down, and while you're at it, why don't you take off your mask and get comfortable? Suzanne switched on the garage's light and slid her slight frame against Olsen, a man twice her age and three times her weight. Okay, this is getting very tedious, Olsen said, switching guns with Suzanne. If you insist on forcing me to shoot you, I'd better use this one. Nick aimed at the side of Olsen's round head and pulled the trigger. He pulled it again, and again. Nothing. Now will you put it down? Olsen raised the silenced pistol. I really didn't invite you here just to shoot you. Nick dropped the worthless gun and pulled off his mask, recognizing defeat. Let me go. I didn't do anything. This is entrapment. Suzanne smiled as she ran her hand over Olsen's belly. 
We're not cops, so entrapment doesn't mean all that much to us. If you'd like to call the police and tell them about it, I'd be more than happy to let you use my phone. Suzanne held out her cell. I'm sure they'd agree with you and lock us up. They wouldn't question why you were on another man's property without his permission. They also wouldn't wonder what an ex-felon is doing with a firearm. Nick shook his head at the phone and asked them what they wanted. We merely desire your presence, Olson said, and we didn't think you'd accept our request. But why? What do you want? To show you something. Come with us. Go ahead, Nicholas. Follow Suzanne. With no option but to do as he was told, Nick trailed Suzanne through the laundry room and into the kitchen. He considered trying to grab her and use her as a shield, but he could feel Olsen's gun pressing against his back. You still haven't told me why. Nick watched Suzanne's hips switching back and forth as she led them down a long hallway. I didn't do anything to you. I don't even know you. Nicholas, my boy, you are really in no position to demand an explanation, Olsen said. But I am feeling generous. The truth is that I'm a big reality TV buff. Problem is the quality of the shows they give us. Olsen urged Nick into the room Suzanne had entered. Go ahead. From the looks of it, Olsen had his own little movie studio. Nick counted over twenty screens and a wall full of recording equipment in the room. The mindless programs they call entertainment are insulting to my intelligence. Shows about love, infatuation, infidelity, sex. Shows about cliques, pacts, alliances, betrayals. Garbage. All garbage. Suzanne had a switch that blanked out all the screens. So what's your brilliant idea? Nick asked. What do you have that Hollywood hasn't thought of? A glimpse into man's true spirit. What do I have to do? Spend the next three months in my guest room. Olsen pointed at the metal door Suzanne stood next to. What's the catch? There is none. And if I refuse? What do you think the gun's for, Nicholas? Nick searched their faces for some clue. He knew there was more to the story, but he didn't really have an option. Three months? And then you just let me go? No cops? You have my word. Now, if you would be so kind as to give Suzanne your car keys, we'll park your car in the garage so you don't get towed. How thoughtful. Nick threw his keys at Suzanne. Now, now, Nicholas, be a sport. Nick wouldn't look at him. That's fine. I've had enough of your uncivil company. Olsen motioned toward the door. Go ahead, Suze. The door swung open, revealing a long corridor with another metal door at the end of it. Nick walked the hallway, the door slamming shut behind him. When he came to the far end of the hallway, he said, And how exactly am I supposed to get in? A loud click answered his question. Nick pushed the unlocked door open and stepped into the dark chamber. The second he was clear of the door, it slammed shut behind him the lock snapping back into place. Assuming the cameras were equipped with audio, Nick said, So you're going to see if I'm scared of the dark. Afraid not, big guy. You'll have to do better than that. The lights turned on, momentarily blinding him. 
Nick squinted and saw he was inside a rather large but otherwise ordinary guest room. There was no dungeon master with whips and chains, no rabid dog, no bed of roaches. Just a large windowless room with a cot against one wall, a couch across from it, and a toilet and sink in the far corner. If Olsen got his jollies watching grown men taking a crap on camera, then maybe this wasn't going to be as bad as Nick thought. A low moan came from the couch. There was someone sitting there looking at him. The unclothed man rose to his feet, his emaciated body tottering on spindly legs. Over a loudspeaker, Olsen said, You're not being very polite, Nicholas. You could at least say hello. Didn't know I was getting a roommate. I thought you'd be happy. You haven't seen each other in quite some time. The poor bastard with his protruding ribs and bloated stomach couldn't weigh more than a hundred pounds. Surely no one Nick knew. True, he looks a little worse for wear, but that's no reason to ignore him. The bearded man inched closer. He held something shiny in his hand. His bony right hand with the shamrock and swastika tattooed across it. The exact same tattoo Nick had spent hours working on between count times. I know Bear is happy to see you. He hasn't had a thing to eat in over, what is it, seven days? And that doesn't include the eighty days prior in which he was given a mere thousand calories. Eighty-seven days. A couple shy of Olsen's deadline. Stop right there, Nick ordered his old cellmate. Bear didn't stop. Only five feet separated them. He pointed the knife at Nick's chest. What's it going to be, fellows? Who's going to make it to see tomorrow? Bear, you win and you'll finally get to eat, and in a few days have your freedom. Nicholas, if you're the victor, you'll have three months to wonder who your final meal will be. Have at it, boys. Tape is rolling. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.